The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hampson's Minded. We're getting close, close, close to the actual list now. We're on the uh, 30 to 26 part of the top 25, under 25. And once more, it's Anton Rassegård from Wales. Happy to have you on, Anton. Happy to be on, as always. And it's uh, me, Patrick Bexel from Gothenburg, Sweden. So the Europeans keep doing this because, let's face it, it seems like the other ones are a little bit lazy this time. In Sweden, it's a particularly great day today because it's the Kladdkakan day, which yeah, means ma- that it's... Mud cake uh, day. Yeah. Lava cake day, or, or what do we call it? I don't know. Sticky, sticky chocolate cake? Mud cake. So I don't know. Yeah, Maybe it's... that's an international name. At least, uh, as you say, it's a sticky chocolate cake. Yeah, It's great as well. Uh, you, you, If you ever come to Sweden, this is one of the best things with Sweden. It's the, the, the Klamkaka. It's it's fantastic, especially if you have someone like Mrs. Seb who, who does it extremely well. And uh, I'm in luck uh, to have yeah, that. If you... If you're ever in Sweden, one of the first Swedish words you will ever learn is fika, because um, that is a lot of what we do. We go out and have a coffee and a cake to uh, to complement that. And that's uh, you know why we need to exercise and everything throughout all the winter, because uh, we eat a lot of cake in Sweden. Yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, I've had uh, North American players saying exactly this to me, because uh, Justin Pogge, who, who played uh, goalkeeper in uh, both the... Uh, in, in a lot of European countries, he told me that the, the few words in Swedish he knows is fika and uh, kladdkaka. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we know this is uh, what's happening. Uh, unfortunately, though, during uh, um, Karjala Cup in Finland today, uh, Matthias Nolinder left the game uh, injured. The uh, Swedish hockey, Ice Hockey Association has given up the, the statement that he was taken off as a precaution. So hopefully it isn't too much of a problem or an, too big of an injury, but something that will mean that he will be able to play maybe even tomorrow when Sweden face Finland, uh, but uh, at least when Frölunda starts playing in the SHL again. Yeah, let's hope that he comes back on track. Uh, that's nothing serious. It, it did look kind of uh, kind of iffy when he went out because it wasn't really a duel or anything. It was just kind of like he, he grabbed his shoulder and uh, really couldn't see if, if there were was anything causing it. But uh, let's just hope for the best for Matthias. Uh, obviously, he has uh, begun this season strong and we want him to continue on that. And, and uh, for me personally, uh, especially with... Uh the long stint that Matthias was injured last year in regards to his concussion. I'm really, really happy that it, it certainly wasn't a concussion this time. 
Yeah, obviously. Uh, the more concussions you get at that early age, the more it starts to become a problem. And uh, when you're 20, you really want to leave that behind. Indeed. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why Matthias has worked very hard to build up his core and get better at his balance and, and also build up his physique overall to be able to plant his feet and, and uh, take the hits in a better way. It's something that they work on in Frölunda and I know they're very happy with him in that regard. Uh, but over to the list, at number 30, we have Rafael Harvey Pinard, um, a forward that, that will play with the Rocket hopefully this year. Yeah, uh, Harvey Pinard has had an uh, interesting trajectory. Obviously, he was passed over twice in the in the draft and then was selected last year um, in the seventh round by Montreal. It was basically a way of just um, just securing his... Uh, securing, uh, well, securing uh, his uh, future, basically, because you don't want to fight over an entry-level contract with others uh, that you would have to do with uh, if he was undrafted. Um, so now he's 21 already. He actually turns 22 as early as January 6th. So he's not one of the younger uh, guys on this list. He's actually one of the older guys on the list this year. Um, I think like that he is this high, uh, because obviously he's a bit undersized. He's only 5'9". Uh, 172 pounds I mean that he is actually in the top 30 is a bit of a surprise obviously uh, because there are other guys who may have bigger potential further down but he has also proven himself slightly older than many other Q prospects obviously but but he has been a captain for for two teams both in the Ruin Noranda Huskies and then last season in the Chikotimi Saginins um and has performed uh, really well for three straight seasons in the queue so it will be interesting to see what he can bring to laval when the season starts up but i mean it's it's his heart really and and his uh what he brings as a leader that will be interesting to follow if he can translate that even when he's one of the younger guys in the ahl compared to being one of the older guys in the queue um but yeah it's all it's all projection at this part part but it's easy to see that he could maybe walk the same another uh, guy who also won the award for being uh, the QMJHL Scholastic Player of the Year, uh, that is Alexandre Alain, and become a good uh, producer in the AHL and hopefully reach a bit further than uh, Alain has done uh, for Laval. Uh, he, he reminds me a little bit about uh, an Arthur Lekonen or, or maybe a Brennan Gallagher. Uh, works really hard, um, gets on the score seats every now and then, and and but he brings his game every day, every night, all year through. Yeah, yeah, he's really um, he he's someone that you can. I mean, I, I think Joel Bouchard will just, will just love to have him, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was one of the guys who who was kind of um, um, begging Mark Bergevin and the scouting team to draft him last year because obviously uh, Joel Bouchard knows the queue really well, and I think that he had his eyes set on uh, on Alvi Pinar uh, for especially for this season now 2021. Interestingly, another guy that that has worked his way up the ranks a little bit is uh, Gianni Fairbrother. He's a defensive defender, and and we mentioned a little bit about the defender defenders yesterday or the day before because right now it's a blur with the podcasts but um, yeah. uh, th there is a stockpile of defenders coming through and uh, in, if you are 29 uh, when you're 20 that's not a bad position especially not with the the defensive pool that Montreal has at the time and and no, it might exactly. actually be better 
to to have that extra year and not feel the pressure of of leveling up every year but he can take his time develop further and and come in very very strong maybe if he is a late bloomer as well it will be interesting to see if the whl starts up or um just to see if he can work on what he showed last year before um before and after injury i mean he was he was injured for part of the season uh but i mean he was a third round pick uh he played he played well when he played and uh i think it's interesting to as you say as well i mean 29th on this list would probably have been higher on the list a few years ago so just having Johnny Fairbrother this far down at 29 is just um, a sign uh, how well the um, well how healthy the Canadians' defensive prospect pool is looking right now. It is a little bit of a uh, um, that there's a couple of outliers uh, and actually uh, the the eyes on the price crew has him the highest like not the crew the the, the readers but. Um, it, the rest of, of the, the crew in general is a little bit lower with him. Maybe that I know I was thinking about this when, when I graded it and that you think about all the top prospects, especially defensive top prospects that Montreal has, that you, you might lower some of them. I certainly did it with the goalkeepers and, and I think I did it with the, with the, uh, with the uh, defenders as well that some of them, that as you say, might have been higher a couple of years ago, is now shuffled down maybe a little bit further due to the fact that the pipeline is so good. Yeah, there is a lot of depth here. Uh, it's still encouraging to see like uh, that David had him as high as 19th, because obviously we trust David San Luis a lot when it comes to, especially to North American prospects and prospects overall. So the fact that David thinks quite highly of him, higher than the most others, that that is a positive. And uh, David also wrote in the article today that he believes that if Fairbrother continues his trajectory and maybe just, uh, well, is healthy, Continues to uh, continues to develop. He could uh, become uh, in the future uh, a steady third third pairing defenseman if everything goes well. Um, but um, right now, obviously, as you say, there are a lot of guys who are ahead of him um, in the development ranks. But it would be interesting to see if he if he has a good season. Uh, it wouldn't be as surprising to see him earn an, an entry level contract and play next year in Laval. Yeah, and uh, let's. Um... Let's be honest here as well. I was actually checking on the next guy when I said that the the yeah, well. the uh, pool uh, the readers were highest because uh, I was checking on uh, Joel Teasdale and and uh, that's where the uh, readers are higher and maybe the uh, crew and the writers are are a little bit lower on him. Um, one thing you have to understand, though, is that if you don't follow David San Louis on Twitter, you better do it because the, the amount of knowledge that, that David possesses in regards to ice hockey is something to really soak up and turn it into your own knowledge because he understands and he explains so well about what to look for and why someone is better than the other. I put a lot of trust into David and, and so should you guys do. Uh, unfortunately for for Joel Teasdale, David has has number thirty three. Uh, so uh, yeah, take it away, Anton. Yeah, well, with the Joel, it's mainly 
the injury, I think. I mean, he has basically gone the same route as Javi Pinar and Alexandre Alain, playing really well in the queue, earning an entry-level contract uh, through uh, as an undrafted prospect. And uh, uh, then he had the double, well, the ACL-MCL injury, which just uh, spoiled his whole last season uh, because when he was suddenly back, COVID hit, so he didn't get to play at all in the age. So we don't really know what to expect at this point. But the interesting part is he's still younger than Harvey Pinar. He's two months younger. So he's not an old guy. He's 21 right now. And he uh, obviously, I think he was the Memorial Cup uh, Memorial Cup champion and Memorial Cup MVP before he signed. So, so it'll be really interesting to see what he can bring to uh, Laval this year. Um, I think that the reason that... Um, well, in general, us as uh, a community, uh, we staff writers are a bit lower on him right now is because we don't really know what to expect after the injury. But if he's back on track this year, it will be interesting to see if he can be a, a force like he was in the queue. Indeed. And and then a very, very uh, interesting player at number 27 with mm-hmm. Alexandre Gourdin. And, and uh, it's 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 a little bit of... Everyone loves this guy. And, yeah. and I know why, because whenever he hits the net, he scores. It, it seems like that. He he needs to work on his skating. He needs yeah, to. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's not as... In, in the MHL, he's uh, scoring like crazy. But now when he's moved up to the VHL, it's a little bit more of a... Um, yeah, he, he's a little bit out of his depth. He needs to adjust a little bit. He has played... I think it's one or two games in, in KHL already this year. And uh, even with COVID and Ska being hit quite hard by it, he's he's played in the K and that's pretty good. And he's still only 19. I mean, he's an overager when he got drafted, but he's still only 19. And to play in a team like Ska St. Petersburg, only for, if, if only for a game or so as a 19-year-old, is still impressive, especially when you're as not below average skater as he is but like i i have to explain because i had him as high as 19 um and it's basically because when i when i thought about this i was just like i mean you can always work on your skating uh, if you're 19 but to have that instinct for producing points that alexander gordon has shown i know it's only mhl um but it's interesting to compare him when you compare him to yegor shinnikov who was selected in the first round Obviously, unexpected first round by the Blue Jackets, but still, I mean, Gordon wasn't out. Shinnikov uh, wasn't out producing Gordon, um, and the fact that Montreal got him as as low as in sixth round, I thought thought it was incredible value when you look at it, and especially how he started this season. He just looks mature. He, I mean, he's obviously too good for the MHL. It's just interesting to see if he can take that. Uh, and dominate in the VHL as well and get a proper chance in, in the KHL later this season. Uh, because to have those scoring instincts, there are a lot of uh, players who would kill for that, um, who are just really good skaters, for example, but can't produce points. And and if Gordon continues his development, it would be uh, interesting to see what he can bring to North America in the future. Yeah, and I'm uh, working very hard to get access into Ska and hear what they're thinking about him. But obviously, being part of the Ska development program is something really, really strong. And I think um, 
a lot of us had that in mind when we were looked at him and when we were considering him uh, in the rankings. But also you have to realize that Montreal is scouting Russia very, very well. Uh, it's not just a Russian scout that is going to Russia. The whole of the European network is more or less going to Russia every now and then. They must know something about this kid. And I think, you know, with, with the reference to Alexander Romanov and, and how he has developed, you, you, it's worth taking a chance on and everyone out loves a scorer. That's, that's the easy way to, to measure someone. And, and he is the scorer right now. Let's see if he can do it at another level. And it's per a perfect a developmental project to take a chance on in the sixth round. He has shown that he is, he, as I said, he has instinct for, for scoring and producing points, but he needs to work on his skating. So if you can get that skating up, I mean, with this size and everything, there is a lot of a lot of promise there. And as you said, Montreal has scouted Russia differently than others, obviously, since they drafted uh, Romanov and then last year they drafted Khisamutinov, who was really, uh, no one really knew anything about him either. He was 21 at the time and now he's earned an entry-level contract. So, so yeah, it will be uh, fascinating to follow Gordon. He's already becoming um, a, a favorite for for a lot of fans, I think. And then we have Red Pitlick at number twenty six, the last entry of, of this podcast. Um, what are your thoughts there? Well, Pitlick is interesting because last year he was actually he actually made the twenty five. I think he was in. Well, he was between twenty and uh, between twenty and twenty five last year. Um, he has just he he had a. Like it was not that he had a bad season or anything. It's just that the depth is becoming better and better, so he fell out. But uh, Red Pitlick is his. He's a, he's an interesting guy. He had 31 points in in 28 games as soon as he switched over from the Om Omaha Lancers to Muskie Muskegon Lumberjacks last year in the U USHL, and he will play for uh, Muskegon this year as well before he is granted eligibility for the NCAA next season. He's uh, undersized, uh, only 5'9", the same size as Harvey Pinar, but he's quick as... Quick as... Yeah, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> and it will be interesting to follow him moving forward. He he has um, he has the, the promise as well that he is... Um, he comes from a hockey family, and we have seen that before, that that could actually be quite healthy. You have older guys like his cousin Tyler Pitlick, who plays for the Arizona Coyotes, who can help you with some stuff about mentality and how you reach the pro level. And then he has his um, his older brother, who is in uh, the AHL with uh, the Milwaukee Admirals at this point. Um, I think that Red Pitlick is one of the more interesting forward prospects that the Montreal Canadiens have, which maybe something negative as well, because he was obviously just a fifth-round pick, because we see more depth on the defensive side right now than the offensive side. But as a 19-year-old, a quick skater who who can find um, who can produce points, that is that's interesting. And uh, obviously, he was close to making the 25 this year as well. Indeed, and and for me, I think you know, skating is you you cannot teach goal scoring maybe, but skating is one of the other things that if it comes natural to you, you're automatically going to have. A, a decent career in hockey. Uh, it's yep. it's the people that can't skate, like Rodin, in a way, yeah. that needs yeah. to work on it a lot. Uh, Ilan used to say uh, when I spoke with him that I was a really bad skater, 
Now I'm a very good skater, but it's taken time and taken practice and I work really hard on it because I wanted to be a good skater. If you're a good skater, you're gonna have a career in hockey. He didn't say the last bit, but, but until like, I wanted to become a good skater. And, and that is really, really important for the future. And no matter where he ends up, I can see this guy playing hockey somewhere on the globe. Yeah, and I think Petlek will be a professional hockey player. Um, the question is just if he can, if he can project to take in taking on a, an NHL role in the future, and that is still so far away since he will be eligible for the NCAA until twenty five, twenty six, I think, or twenty four, twenty five. Um, so, so Montreal won't have to take a make up their mind about him for for quite a long time. And it will be interesting to uh, to see if he can continue to improve when he attends the University of Minnesota. And that's it for today. We're looking forward already for next week when we're starting the countdown of the top 25, under 25 for real uh, with the players. And then it will be one a day. We will try to get a podcast out every other day, every third day, something like that, when there's something to talk about. We hope you have enjoyed this show. Be sure to leave a comment on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, in the article or anywhere we try to read it otherwise just hit me up on twitter and i will definitely read it and answer you in the best way possible thank you very much for listening have a good evening Anton.